As we turn to Scripture, I invite you to pray with me. Speak to us, O God. Speak to us in the waiting, the watching, the hoping. Speak to us in our joy and our grief. Speak to us by your word in these Advent days, and walk with us until the day of your coming. In the Spirit of Christ we pray. Amen. Our scripture reading is a familiar one. It comes from the Gospel according to Luke, the first chapter. Listen for what the Spirit is saying to us. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. He came and said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. This is the word of the Lord. Today is the second Sunday of Advent, this odd season of remembering and hoping and waiting and wondering. Every year when Advent rolls around, I remember that time I was decorating for Christmas, setting up a nativity set with my daughters. They were maybe seven and four. We put the wise men with their gifts off to the right, and on the left we had the shepherd and his little sheep. Toward the back of the seeing were some random animals, cows and donkeys, I think, maybe a camel. Still in the background was Joseph. Near the center was Mary, and then right at the center was the manger. And in the manger was, of course, nothing. The manger was empty. We had lost the baby Jesus. We checked the box again. No baby Jesus. A hard target search of the house commences. There's a vague memory of Ella adopting the baby Jesus the prior Christmas, so her room is turned upside down and inside out, but still nothing. We search through endless piles of little toys and figurines and stuffed animals. No baby Jesus. Finally, Ella comes running down the stairs and triumphantly places in the manger a tiny piglet finger puppet. (laughs) No, says Anna, no, no one would fuss over a baby pig. So piglet's out, and our search is unfulfilled. The nativity scene is set, but the manger is empty. There's no baby Jesus. 
Now, over the years, it has struck me that an empty manger is actually the perfect symbol for Advent. That's what Advent is all about, after all. Looking, searching, hoping, waiting, but not actually having, not yet, anyway. It's about inviting something new and wondrous and mysterious into your life, but also something that's out of your control, something that you can't pin down or keep still or make stay put in a manger. Now, if that sounds even a little unsettling to you, imagine how it must have sounded to Mary. We don't talk much about Mary in Protestant churches. She usually shows up in our nativity scenes and our Christmas pageants and then gets put back in the box with the wise men and the shepherds and the sheep until next year. Our Roman Catholic friends make a lot more out of Mary, of course, and while we may have some reservations about some of that, I do think we can learn something from them. If we think of Mary as nothing more than a Christmas decoration a mild little figure dressed in blue, kneeling silently and reverently in the manger, then we may be missing out on one of the most powerful, one of the most inspiring people in all of Scripture. Mary was not a timid schoolgirl, quiet and obedient. She was courageous, almost beyond belief. It's easy to see why we think of Mary as meek and mild, The angel Gabriel certainly uses a lot of imperatives with her. Did you hear all those? Do not be afraid. You will conceive and bear a son. You will name him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. That's a lot of wills. There's not a lot of room for negotiation here. Mary does manage to squeak out a question. Uh, How can this be? since I'm a virgin. But even then, Gabriel responds with more wills. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. The child will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. Now, I admit, at face value, I'm a little troubled by this story. Despite being dressed up in pious clothing, it can sound a little like one more account of a girl being told what to do what will happen to her and her body by others who've decided for her. And that troubles me. But look again, and you see that there's more going on here. It's important to remember the story right before this one. Mary's relative, Zechariah, is also visited by the angel Gabriel and told that his wife, Elizabeth, will bear a child. And when Zechariah dares to ask Gabriel a question, do you remember what happens? The angel rebukes him and takes his voice away, silencing him, won't let him speak again until the child is born. Zechariah was a priest. You'd think Gabriel would let him get a question or two in there. But no, asking an angel a question is risky business. So it's remarkable that Mary does it. How can this be since I'm a virgin? And even, even, even more remarkable... Gabriel answers her. Instead of silencing her, instead of shutting her down as he did with Zechariah, Gabriel seems to acknowledge Mary's question is a fair one. I know, I know, he says, 
but it will be God's doing, and nothing is impossible for God. Now, we don't know how much time passes between Gabriel's statement and Mary's response. And through the ages, people have wondered what went through Mary's head as she contemplated this impossible possibility. Do you think she knew what would happen, how it would all unfold? Many of you are probably familiar with the popular Christian song, Mary, Did You Know? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? The child that you've delivered will soon deliver you. Mary, did you know? Did she know? We don't know. But maybe the point is, she didn't have to know. She knew that God was driving this story, and that was good enough for her. And so... She took a deep breath, and she spoke the words that have rung through the ages. Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. And here again, these words can sound like simple obedience, gentle Mary, meek and mild, saying yes. But I think we're missing something if we let our interpretation stop there, because right after Mary questions Gabriel, she rushes to visit Elizabeth the only other person who could possibly know what it means to be promised a child of God. And then Mary sings a song, a song that is anything but meek and mild. My soul magnifies the Lord, she sings, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arms. He has scattered the proud in their thoughts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. That is the song that Mary sang, sometimes called the Magnificat. It says, Things are about to change. It says the world is about to turn, and Mary has her hands on the wheel. Such simple-seeming words. Here am I, servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. In that moment... Mary said yes, yes to God, yes to bearing a child. But as her song makes clear, her yes had some strings attached. Her yes is also a no. No to a world where she has no choices. No to a world where others speak for her. No to a world where the rich and powerful get to sit on thrones and the lowly struggle. And yes, yes to God with us, yes to a world where the last are first, where the lost are found, where the dead are raised, and young girls open their mouths and words of a new heaven and a new earth come pouring out. Her yes is anything but meek and mild. It is fierce and gutsy and world-changing. 
this season of Advent and really every day of our lives, we are called to follow in Mary's fearless footsteps, to say yes. There is so much in our world to say no to, but there's even more to say yes to. Yes to this vision of God's kingdom that Mary sang so long ago. Yes to feeding the hungry. Yes to breaking bread with neighbors and strangers. Yes to asking questions and insisting on answers. Yes to making room for people with no place to go. Yes to lifting up the poor and the disenfranchised. Yes to turning swords into plowshares. Yes to justice rolling down like water. Yes to hope. Yes to peace. Yes to joy. Yes to love. Gentle Mary, meek and mild. No. Mary was fierce and daring. She asked questions. She wanted answers. She dreamed dreams and she would not be silent. The coming child would turn the world upside down. And Mary offered her voice, her life, her body to make it so. I still think back to that empty manger in our house where the child of Mary is supposed to be. Jesus is not trapped in our little nativity sets and he's not trapped in our churches. He's out there somewhere on the loose, turning the world upside down. If you want to find him this Advent season, if you want to know what the child of Mary is up to, Mary's story, Mary's song is a good place to start.